Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is director, writer, award-winning director, writer, Andy Fickman, and we're going to be talking about his brand new movie, which is just wonderful, called One True Loves. Welcome to the show, Andy. Oh, Jen, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and thank you for that very kind intro. If you can call my mom and just repeat that intro, <laughs> that would be awesome, just so she would finally show me a little respect. I know. You know, it's hard. <laughs> With mom sometimes. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many movies you do, how many awards. Doesn't matter. At some point, mom just brings up something that the neighbor's kid did. <laughs> like, okay, I don't, I don't know how to compete with the neighbor's kid anymore. Well, let's hope you can go. Maybe you can with the next with this movie. She might appreciate you more. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, actually, I think this one, this is the one she's ready to like. I think so too. It, it's adorable. It really is. It, you know, let's. T- I definitely want to uh, dive into this because. Uh, yeah. And I want our listeners to and our viewers to know a little bit about One True Loves and, and the synopsis of this film. So when we start talking about it, they'll know a little bit of what we are talking about. Fantastic. Well, it's based on this amazing book by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who also has Daisy and the Six out right now. Yes. Doing so yes. wonderful. And this is a book I read and just fell in love with. thought it was such a unique and interesting story about love and how to define it and didn't fall into the same sort of negative tropes of like so-and-so cheated on so-and-so, so-and-so was abusive, so-and-so was this, all real things that happened. But this also said sometimes it's about how we love somebody and when we love somebody and where we are at that point in life, how open we are to that love. What I liked about this movie, you're exactly right, it didn't go fall into some, you know, some of the usual tropes that we see in movies. And this was very different in the way it was treated and it, it didn't fall into being maudlin or it was just real the, the acting was just really right on and we'll talk about all the actors in this film obviously the way it was directed too but it was fun I cried a number of times oh, throughout the that film was, that was my goal I was uh, the whole time I was like I need to make Jan cry <laughs> I can make Jan cry. I'm happy today. Well, there you go. Because I always feel when you watch a movie, you should be moved in some way. So whether it's a comedy, you should be laughing. If it's a horror story, be scared or whatever it may be that you're moved rather than walking out the movie and going, ah, oh, well, that was okay. <laughs> it didn't, didn't do much for me. It was just fine that I went, but wasn't much more than that. This movie's different. This movie is different. So let's, there's, so maybe because we talked about your mom early in the introduction, let's yeah. talk about because there's, this also has, for you some personal meaning. So yeah. can do you no, mind talking I, about that, Andy? Not at all. When my grandmother, when my grandfather passed away, uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin, my grandmother believed that was her one true love and never dated anyone from that point on. She passed away in her 90s. So she had four decades at least of being single and just holding on to the memory of my grandfather. When I was 16, my father passed away. My mom was young in her late 40s. And I think because she she somehow experienced what had happened with my grandmother, with my grandfather. She just didn't date. She just became somebody who had that great one true love, my dad. And we always felt and we wanted our mom to be happy, but we also loved that there was this tremendous amount of the house didn't change. It was just pictures of my dad. There was all of that. When my mom turned about 70, about, you know, two and a half decades later, she called myself and my older brothers, I have three older brothers and said, hey, I went on a date. And we were all like, what? 
And he said, I went and played tennis with this gentleman, Richard, and who also had lost his wife. And that led to many more dates. And then one day she called and she said, Richard has asked me to marry him. And I'm in love. And Richard had asked my oldest brother for my mom's handed marriage, which I thought was very classy. Yes. But Richard took my mom to my father's gravesite and essentially proposed, asked my father for my mom's handed marriage, and then told my dad he would look after my mom. And he always did up until the time of, of his passing a few years ago. And it really meant to me growing up that you could have more than one true love and that it doesn't negate the other love. That when you love somebody during a period of time, that love is that period of time and so unique and so special. And then maybe as a, whether it was death or divorce or any number as in our, as in our movie, unique situations that occur, you find yourself now with the potential of a husband and a fiance. And we didn't want it to be that there's a wrong answer. We wanted it to be, what is the answer for Emma? What is, where is she now? Has she, and we all grow and change. So, and I'd always wanted to explore that in a movie. And then my producing partner, Betsy Sullinger gave me this book and I flipped for it. And I thought this is exactly the movie I want to tell. You've done a fabulous job with it. It, it really is. It's again, we go back to the, you know, you, you're wondering throughout the film, which direction is she going to go in? Let's talk about the cast. The actor that plays her fiance, I hope I don't mispronounce his name, Simu Lu. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Simu was Simu and Luke Bracey and Philippa Sue. We started with Philippa, my whole during the pandemic, the height. Sarah Finn, our remarkable casting director who I'd worked with on She's the Man, and she does all the wonderful Marvel films and TV projects. I had met so many great actresses who wanted to play Emma. And and I was we were in the process. Should it be this one? Should it be that one? Should it be this one? And finally, Sarah said, I, 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 do you know the actress Philippa Sue? And I was like, I love Philippa. I'd seen her in Hamilton. I saw her on Broadway. Broadway and Amelie. And uh, she and I had a Zoom like this, and we talked about the character, and we talked about the script, and I just was dazzled. And she's currently Guinevere in Camelot on Broadway, getting ready. To- <gasps> I love and Camelot. I, I ended up texting all the producers and partners, and I said, I had the pleasure today for the first time of actually meeting our Emma. And I just knew she was it. And then it was about finding Sam and Jesse. And Simu, Shang-Chi had, for Marvel had not come out yet, there wasn't even a trailer available. And so when Sarah said, do you want to meet with this actor, Simu? I knew his brilliant work from a show I love called Kim's Convenience. And so I was so excited because I wasn't even thinking about his action movie for Marvel, where he's going to be one of the world's biggest superheroes. I wanted to meet this brilliant actor from Kim's Convenience. And sure enough, we connected and I knew that was Sam. And I knew Luke Brace. He was this wonderful Australian actor. I knew his work from Point Break and Holiday. And he came on and I knew that was Jesse. It doesn't always happen that way. You mm-hmm. cast movie casting and television theater casting can be very challenging because sometimes you find the right actor, but they're not available or your person that is available might not be what your idea was, but you change. Here, I've never had three actors in a row just define for me instantaneously what those characters were. They're all perfectly cast and they do a wonderful, a, a wonderful with each, you know, n- not easy to play these characters. 
years, to be honest with you. I mean, it had, I'm sure it had its challenges, for sure, to bring, particularly when it's a book that's been beloved, that people have loved this book, and and then to take it and transfer it to the screen and have those characters still be loved, but not change it. So You have to change it somewhat to adapt to the screen versus the book. So let's talk yeah. about that. Be- the author of the book, your screenwriter for so, for this film with her husband. Was, so let's talk about that. Her husband, Alex. So what was really great is it is, it's always difficult because if usually you don't have the author of the book and writing the script, and a lot of times you don't even have the benefit of having the author of the book involved in the development process. Right. And I am a, a firm believer, only good can come by having the originators involved. Taylor, when I met with her and her husband, Alex, who's a wonderful writer, and they said that they wanted to write the script. And that got me so excited because I knew what challenges we had a lot in the book. Sam's character sometimes plays a lot in Emma's head. So what I wanted to do was have that firsthand relationship and it turned out to be wonderful. That meant for the fans of the book, any change that was made to make it more cinematic and condensed storytelling, it's hard to take a long book and condense it to an hour and 40 minutes. Those changes would be done with the person who created those characters to begin with. So it wasn't just us willy-nilly tossing things left and right. This was all careful consideration. So it made it just such a joy. And a lot of times, all the actors, after they read the book, everyone took their highlighter out. And then they would call and say, hey, Taylor, my character in the book says this line. I really love that line. Can I have that line? And Taylor would be like, let's put it in. So the original book served as our Bible. Let's talk about that process too, because um, you started doing this what, during the pandemic. Is that about right? Well, we started working on the book before the pandemic. I was doing a movie called Playing With Fire, and we had started kind of in the process before I went off to film that, and wrote it, had it all done, and we're just starting to kind of figure out the next way to do it, and then the pandemic hit, and we were just determined to just find a way during the pandemic to keep hope alive. It's good, but then this became such a, a much more of a collaborative project. Is that correct? Yeah. So I talk about that process. Go ahead. I always love, for me, no matter what, I really love collaboration. I come out of theater and we have our musical in the UK and Ireland, Heather's based on the movie and the original writer of that, Dan Waters, the original director, Michael Lyman, and the original producer, Denise Denovi, have been part of that process from the very beginning. And so much of that original movie cast has been a part of our musical family. So I'm a big believer that, that the more you keep the originals together, the better for everybody. So I love to collaborate. I love to, you know, sometimes you're having to just look at a production problem and say, hey, I know this scene takes place here. Are we okay if we move it to this? Because I don't have this, but I have that. And then you have someone like Taylor and Alex who are rewriting immediately going, great, let's do it. It's great. But then, but the actors got more involved in this process because of that. Yeah, I think that when we, we had a little bit more time. So once I had Simu, Luke, uh, Philippa on board, we would do this weird thing time-wise where we would do, every week we would do a couple of hours of Zoom where we'd go page by page through the script to give notes and thoughts. I was in London with Heathers. Simu was in Toronto. Luke was in Australia. Philippa was in New York. And our writers and producers were in LA. So usually the only way it would work is I had to start those meetings about midnight or 1 a.m., for Luke, it was about 5 a.m. He had to get up for those meetings and everyone else was somewhere in between. So those were some long sessions 
he's trying to pull it off. But we wouldn't put a time frame on, you know, we'd say, look, maybe we got 20 pages done today. Next time we pick it up, everyone, reminder, you're on page 61. And then we'd get back on. So by the time we all got together in Wilmington, where we filmed, we had had a summer of working together as a cast and creative team. So we were all on very much the same page making the movie. That's great. And then they were able to make some of the changes, as you were talking about, some of the changes that they felt were important, you know, in that process. Everybody. And it was great to talk to because sometimes you just want to ask the question of the brains of, of Taylor who created. Sometimes it was just for me as a director and for the actors. Creatively, Taylor, what? why did Emma make this choice in the book? And Taylor would say, well, this is what my theory was. And then we would talk about that. So Philippa would have a chance to say, would you mind if I added a little bit of this? And Taylor was so, and as was Alex, so gracious about allowing the process to keep moving forward that way. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Because a lot of people get, you know, very attached to what they've written or... That is correct. <laughs> you know, and they don't want it to be changed. And also we... correct. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard those stories about other films being made when an actor wanted to change a line. and <laughs> It's very hard because so much work goes into creating something and so much deliberation goes into making a choice. And sometimes when you're making a movie, that choice is we're having not going to be able to afford the scene in such and such place. So we simply have to add the line of, well, I saw your brother last time we were in Bangkok and maybe on the book, maybe that was 50 pages of what it was. But now we just need to say the important bit of information. So a lot of times it is how do we get as much information from that book onto that page? Why did you choose Wilmington, Delaware to uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, I'm sorry, to film this movie? So, you know, when you're making a movie, obviously you're looking at multiple things. What is the tax credit that state has that drives us in an indie movie? Tax credit is gold. You're just hunger, hunger, hunger for it. We're looking for a state that also has a tremendous amount of local crew and or access. Can people come in from Georgia, from South Carolina? You're looking for an acting community. North Carolina has a tremendous local acting community that was really great. And then ultimately, this script had more locations written in it than almost any movie I've ever done when I've done a big studio movie. Wow. So you're also looking for, we weren't filming in any studio. We were on the move every single day. So that begged the question, where are we going to be today? Where are we going to be set up today? And Wilma I've never found a, a town and it, the surrounding areas where we found like the lighthouse and stuff. I never found an area that I could find every single location I needed in that one town. And so we're very blessed for Wilmington. And we also used Acton, Massachusetts, which is also a character in the show. We also were able to film there too. So that's really what blended debate movie magic. Okay. So you were able to go to Acton and actually, yeah. if because it's, be it's beautiful, the scene, you know, the scenery, the the, you know, it, it, it the production really design is, is, is great. Go Taylor, ahead. Taylor grew up in Acton. Okay. And when she wrote this book, she it was kind of a little bit of an homage to her hometown. So we knew it needed to be Acton, but you really had to capture that on film. You had to make this quaint, and it is just down the road from Walden Bond. And so you needed that. So once we were able to get cameras on it, you're like, oh, it's beautiful. Wonderful. That's wonderful. No, it is beautiful. It really is beautiful. Let's talk about 
about the rest of the cast? Because you've got a really, you know, great cast of characters. I loved. Oh, I hope I don't mess up her name. Is it Michaela Con? Michaela Con. Oh, my God. Oh. I thought that she, every time she came on the screen, I, I was just ri- riveted. There was, she had such a screen presence and she was just so right on as the sister. She was really the first person of note that we kind of started focusing on. I was a huge fan of her from the show Bones. And you need that character was always written to be a good bouncing board for Emma. Mm-hmm. And it, that's hard. Like, it's hard to come in and be likable and strong and funny and lovely and both on screen and off. And we, it was just a home run the minute Michaela came on board and we just fell in love with her. And, and we just can't wait for audiences to discover her as well. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you used the baseball analogy because I was going to use one too. And I was going to say she hit it out of the park. So there we are. <laughs> she hit it out of the park. I mean, yeah, I look forward to seeing her more on the big screen because, yes, yeah, she's a real interesting I actress. I do, too. She has so much to offer. Yes. And she's truly the nicest person. She's a mom. She's always juggling 50,000 things every day on set. She was fun and funny and professional. And just made life wonderful for everybody. Yeah, well, that you can see that. I, I, mean, I don't know about up behind the scenes, but you certainly could see a lot about who she was, uh, was. you know, on on camera for sure. So let's round out the cast. Let's talk a little because you've some of these people, you know, Tom Everett Scott, you've worked with before, Lauren Tom. Let's Tom, talk about that. Tom yeah. is my Tom's my lucky charm. I love working with. We did uh, first time we met was Race to Witch Mountain. I was always a big fan of him and that thing you do. And American Werewolf in Paris. And so to work with him on Race to Witch Mountain, we just connected, worked again on parental guidance. And that was a joy. We were uh, in Atlanta for so long. When I read this script, finally, we would tell Betsy Sellinger, my my producing partner, uh, who also knows Tom so well. We would laugh and say, well, this part is just for Tom. And so I called him one day. I was like, hey, this isn't you're just going to come here and do this. And we know his manager well, so that worked out. Lauren Tom, I was a massive Lauren Tom fan. I'm a last one. I, I always loved Joy Luck Club. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just such a stunning movie. Yes. And I love Lauren on Friends. Mm-hmm. And when we started talking about Mom and that character, I just smitten with her. And she turned out to be great. And Michael O'Keefe, yes. who Caddyshack is one of my favorite movies, and... I thought he, you know, he got an Academy Award nom for Great Santini, and I just didn't even know if we'd have a shot with him. And he read the script, and he and I had a conversation on the phone, and it was perfect. And he, Michael and Lauren, really became mom and dad on set. They both are, you know, parents in real life, and they came onto the set and took care of everybody, and just felt very blessed to have them. Oh, how wonderful. When did you film this? Uh, the year before. Um, uh, vaccines had just become available. Everybody was getting their shot. And then uh, spent last year in editorial for it. Okay. So, and so what was that, given that you're kind of at the tail end of um, COVID, uh, or sort of, uh, I guess we're always being COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're just going to live tell with me, COVID. Tell me, tell me when we're at the tail end of Yeah, it. I think so, it's just going to be I like was, flu, I'm, like everything else. Yeah. We're just going to have flu, you know. It, it, every, every time year. anyone sneezes, all I think is, oh, God, do you have COVID? 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I just came back from not just about a month ago from the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, and somebody was coughing on me throughout an entire movie and sneezing, and then I got COVID. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. I, that, I, I, my apologies. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I wanted to move. My friends did not. And I was like, let's I move. <laughs> but anyhow, that. so two out of the three of us got COVID from that experience. <laughs> but anyhow, but not bad. Not bad. So what was the hardest part of filming this during that time period then for you? Um, weirdly enough, I had gotten good at it. When COVID first hit, I was doing a series with Kevin James for uh, Netflix called The Crew. And we were middle of shooting in New York and Long Island when we were told by Netflix, go home, take a two-week break. We think all we're shutting down for two weeks. The world was shutting down. It would take two weeks. Right. That didn't happen. And then in August, that was March. So August of that year, Netflix sent us back and we were the first, one of the first shows filming at the height of COVID. And I was dressed head to toe in gowns and gloves and double masks. And then from there, Disney was interested. We we had pulled it off successfully. We had no problems. So then I had a Disney movie, Disney Plus, uh, Disney Channel movie called Christmas Again to film in Chicago. So I wrapped that and then went to Chicago. And at the height of COVID, no, uh, no vaccines, no anything. I was filming that movie with kids and a billion people in Chicago and dealing with getting shut down every day. So by the time I got, and we got through it, and by the time I got to this movie, somehow we had successfully navigated both the Netflix project and the Disney project, and now we had uh, vaccines. So I walked in like this guy had been a general in battle for so many years, (laughs) and I finally got new equipment. And so I would be the guy on set telling the story of like, you think that's a problem? I once did this whole movie <laughs> where then everybody's extras were all masked up and I had to figure out. So uh, it actually, in some ways, uh, was a very smooth shoot. Oh, that's good. They were very good. smart because every cast member and every crew member not only was vaccinated, but we tested multiple times a week. So we made sure of it. That's great. That's great. Before we go, two things. One is I want to talk that you I just saw in the trades about your new uh, project, uh, Shiver, and it's going to be you're going to be directing that, and that's also based on a best-selling uh, books, a series of books, a series, a series, a series of, of books. books. I fell in love with this book, Wolves, all about wolves, beautiful wolves. <laughs> um, uh, it's. You know, it's Romeo and Juliet. It's Beauty and the Beast. It's got those elements of uh, what happens with star-crossed lovers. And I thought it was so such a powerful book series. And once I read it, I just was like, I want to do this. And uh, I've been working with the original writer, Maggie Steinfighter, who's just been phenomenal. And uh, of the book, same with like working with Taylor, you get that opportunity. And so we're digging in and a lot of work ahead of us to get a script and to get where we want to be. And also figuring out how best most of the movie involves a lot of wolves. And so there's a (laughs) safe way to do that and a creative way to do it. But we think fans of the series are going to be very happy. And we think people who don't know the series 
We'll discover the series, and it's very romantic. Well, great. We can't wait. I'll have you back on the show when that movie I comes can't out. Wait for that. I'll look forward to it, too. And then before you go, just tell every the audience where they can see One True Loves. So One True Loves comes out in theaters on April 7th. Um, I have not seen the list of where I know it select cinemas. Then on April 14th, we come out on, uh, I believe, Apple. Uh, I know for sure Apple. And uh, everybody can see it uh, there. And we hope whether you find it in the cinema or you find it at home that you will find it. Yes, go find it, everyone. One True Loves. It's it's just a lovely, lovely movie. It's fun. It's, it's got sadness. It's got everything in it that you want in a movie. So, Andy, thank you so much for being on the show. And I wish you much success with One True oh, Loves. Oh, Jen, I had a blast. I look forward to coming back and seeing you again. Great. I look forward to having you back on, too. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great day. Yes, you too. To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube. Subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at thejampriceshow.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.